Hello, and welcome to the G2 Podcast. Hi, um, I am Matt. Yes, I am Matt. Um, if you don't know me, no, I don't think anybody knows this about me because I never talk about it, but I'm a teacher. Um, I teach over in Leeds. Um, and I'm really excited to carry on our worship together today as we look at God's word. But before we do that, I was at Stag Do at the weekend. And as you do in Stag Do's, you get thinking about the really important things in life. And the question that came up is, if you could have one wish from a genie, what would it be? Now, to make this a little bit easier, we'll just immediately get the answer that's probably in a lot of people's minds out of the way. Other than Jesus, what would your wish be? And we're not having any of those annoying little wishes of, I wish for a billion pounds, or I wish for 50 wishes. One wish, it's got to be a proper wish. What would it be? Now, for me, it would be a cabin in the moors uh, to share with my wife and my dog. I don't have a picture of my wife on here because my dog is more important. No, he's not. <laughs> Absolutely not. She's over there. Um, but that is my dog, Albie, with his favorite toy. No, he's definitely not more important than you. I'm going to be in trouble later on. You've got two minutes. Turn to, the pe- turn to the people on your table. If you had one wish, what would you wish for? Okay, great. Thank you, everybody. Now, let's hear from a few people. Let's see what their wishes would be. Megan, what would your wish be? Um, I would like to have enough money that I can live comfortably and never work a day again. Very nice. Hands up if that would also probably be your wish. Yeah. And then, Kat, what would your wish be? So it's not real, but I'd like like a transporter so you didn't have to travel anywhere. I'm, I'm noting a, noticing a theme in your kind of what you would wish for. Someone to carry everything to the beach, transporter to take you everywhere. Brilliant. Now... I didn't make that question as hard for you as I could because the question, well, the theme of the question that came up at the stag do was if there was something that would cost you everything, but if you wished for it, you could have it straight away, what would you have? Now, I've been thinking about this for a week and I genuinely don't know what I would say. A cabin in the woods would be lovely. My dog is great. My wife is the most important person to me in the world. (laughs) but something that would cost me absolutely everything. I really don't know what I would wish for. The problem as well is that our culture doesn't know that either. I was listening to an advert on BBC Radio 4 because outwardly I look 24, inwardly I'm 52. And an advert came up for an interview with some famous rock star person And there was a quote that stuck out to me, because clearly it was a very entertaining advert, that everything they do in their life, everything they do, is designed around promoting their own happiness. Now, that's all well and good for them. They have pretty much as much money as you can have, I think. They have huge amounts of power in the industry, so they get to choose when they do it, when they do shows, when they don't do shows, who they sing with, who they don't sing with. But the problem is that doesn't work for us. At least it doesn't work for me. Maybe, maybe that works for the rest of you. Maybe you've got the money, the power, everything that you need. But I certainly don't. And actually, for that group of people, for pop stars, for rock stars, for celebrities, focusing their life around happiness also doesn't work. 
The life expectancy of a celebrity in America is 25 years lower than everybody else. They are five to 10 times more likely to die from accidental death, and they are two to seven times more likely to commit suicide. Giving everything for happiness leaves us sad, lonely, and eventually dead. But we have this longing. We have this longing for something, because that's why we ask these questions, why we like to talk about them. If I could have anything, what would I have? So the question is, what do we do with that longing? Well, today we're going to look at two parables that Jesus tells that answer these questions. So if you have a Bible with you, if you have a phone, if you have something else, turn with me to Matthew chapter 13, verses 44 to 46. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. At first glance, these two parables might not make much sense. So I've got three questions that we're going to look at together. What is so precious that it's worth paying everything you've got? Why should we pay everything we've got for it? And how do we do it? So firstly, what is this thing that Jesus is saying is so important, it's worth a merchant paying everything he owns. It's worth someone buying a field using all of their earthly possessions. It is the kingdom of heaven. Now, the different people have different ideas when they hear the word heaven. Some people have a kind of political idea, a theocracy, where the society is ruled by the Ten Commandments, where shops are closed on Sundays, and if you go outside and smile, you're fined. Other people have an environmental idea of heaven, where cows are free to fart, feet, fart freely without methane, where the earth is not polluted and eventually the trees will, will run the UN. Other people have these ideas of happiness as that unnamed artist had. But that's not what heaven is. To get an idea of heaven, we actually need to understand the word kingdom. Now, kingdom comes from the Greek word basileia, and whilst it can mean kingdom in terms of a physical area, it actually more closely means kingship. It means a place and a people governed over, reigned over by someone. Now, the big question for us, though, is what does this reign look like? What does this reign, this kingship, this rule of heaven look like? Well, thankfully, God tells us in the Bible. If we look at Zechariah chapter 2, which will appear on screen. God says, run, say to that young man, Jerusalem shall be inhabited as villages without walls because of the multitude of people and livestock in it. And I will be to her a wall of fire all around, declares the Lord, and I will be the glory in her midst. You see, the kingdom of heaven is a community so deeply in love for each other that there is no need for walls. There's no need to keep people out. It is so full of provision that there is no need for there to be any fighting, any inflation, any worrying about where food is going to come from for, because everybody will be provided for. The kingdom of heaven is a place of prosperity, of life, and of joy. But it's not just that. 
It is a place where God will be the glory in her midst. Now, what does this mean? Well, if we look at Philippians chapter 3, which is appearing right now, Paul explains this to us. At this point in writing this letter, Paul, who is a follower of Jesus, has been in prison probably for a few years. He's facing execution at the hands of the Romans, Emperor Nero. And the Romans didn't execute people in nice ways then. Not that there's a nice way to be executed, but they found particularly bad ways to do it. And Paul says this to a church. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. You see, for Paul and for Christians, the kingdom of heaven is Jesus. The kingdom of heaven is being reigned, ruled, watched over by Jesus. To be there for us every day, every night, to provide for us, to create for us these communities full of people who love each other, who provide for each other, who care for each other, where there are no needs for walls. There are no need. There is no hunger or pain or suffering. And that can only happen because for the Christian, the greatest value, the thing that they give everything for is Jesus. As Paul, at the end of his life, facing execution, he says, I have no need for anything else because I have Jesus. But the question for us is, why? Great for Paul. Good for him. He's facing a situation where he wants comfort. Why should we give everything that we have for Jesus, for this kingdom of heaven, for this vision of a community of people living together with God in their midst? We should give everything we have for that because Jesus has given everything for us. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. We have a problem often trusting anybody with everything to do with ourselves. And we only have to look at the House of Commons this week and over the last year to see why. Everybody is tainted by scandal. Everybody is tainted by hypocrisy. Everybody is tainted by sleaze. But the most powerful person in the universe is completely innocent. The most powerful person who, if he decided he could snap his fingers like Thanos and we could all disappear, what did he do with his power? He healed the sick. He comforted widows. He protected the vulnerable. He fed the hungry. He died for unworthy people like me and you. He bore the weight of our guilt, our shame, our hurt, our sin. He never asks us to repay it. He just did it. But that leaves us with a, a problem. If Jesus never asks us to repay him for all of this, why is he going on about selling everything that we have? Why is he going on and say, I am worth so much, you need to give everything for me? That leads us into what we've been doing here today and the thankfully unsuccessful waterboarding of Eleanor earlier because baptism is a picture of what should happen to us as we are united with Christ. We are united with him in his death and then we are raised with him in life. We are washed clean as the water washed 
Eleanor's hair earlier. So we are washed clean by the blood of Jesus, giving his very life for us. So we can give everything for Jesus, knowing that he has already given everything for us. And if we believe in him, we have been baptized. We have been counted in his death. We have died to our old selves, to the selves that want to live in the kingdom of self, the kingdom of pride, of selfishness, of arrogance. And we are raised to life in the kingdom of heaven with Christ forever, the kingdom where there are no walls, where there is no illness, no disease, no hunger, and God is the glory in our midst. We can't buy Jesus because he's given himself to us. The way that we purchase the pearl of great prize, the way that we dig up the treasure hidden in the field, is we die to ourselves and raise to life in the kingship of Jesus, following him, listening to him in his word, living together in a community of love so that God can be displayed amongst us. But we saw two parables, and we saw two parables for a reason, because the first person was not seeking the treasure. The first person had found a field, and for some unknown reason, maybe it was fun, was just digging randomly. Maybe they were digging a trench for cattle to eat, uh, for to put a water bowl in. Maybe they were digging to plant something. They weren't looking for Jesus, but they found him. The first person was. The second person was. The person looking for the pearl was a merchant, selling, looking around for what they could buy. And in those days, pearls were incredibly expensive. They were assigned, they were a way to show off your wealth. Well, they are today, but not to the same extent they were then. Emperors' wives would cover their heads in them to show their just extreme wealth. Here today, there are people not looking for Jesus. And maybe you've just stumbled upon him. Maybe seeing what's happening to Eleanor has got you thinking. There are others here today who are seeking for him. And maybe you have stumbled upon him. But the question for all of us is, is he worth it? Has he shown himself to be worth everything so that we can give everything for him? Well, let me pray. And then I'm going to tell you what we're doing next. Father God, thank you that Jesus is the pearl of great price. He is the hidden treasure. He is the one thing that we can give everything for because he has already given everything for us. Lord, would you open the door as we seek, as we knock? Would you bring us to yourself that we might enjoy Jesus forever? In Jesus' name, amen.